It is Thursday, August 13th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now a guy who hasn't been in diapers in months, J.P. Shadrick. It has been a little while. We will uh, hear from Jay Gruden coming up as well. Welcome in Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon from the home studio. Just in a different room of the home studio this week. If you're watching on at Jaguars and Jaguars.com, J.P. Shadrick with you. Glad to be along with you as always. And Jeff Lagerman is set up in his new look home studio as well. Logs, what's up, bud? It's all good, JP. It's all good. I like your background there. You got uh, the musical thing kind of going on there. I like it. Yeah, a little bit. You know, Rolling Stones, Tedeschi Trucks, yeah. uh, mixing in some local flavor. Why not, right? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It sits you well. The um, Let's get to what's coming up on the show today. Uh, camp continues, of course. We were out there today. I was out there today. Um, for the second day in a row. Defensive line changes, a lot of moving parts there up front on the defensive side for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Offensive installation continues. That's the diaper reference that uh, Gruden talked about earlier. And we'll go around the National Football League as we always do. So, uh, Logs, workouts continue. This is really a phase two type of situation. They're in helmets. Um, there's no shoulder pads. There's no contact. Offense is staying on their side of the field. Defense is on their field. Uh, they're not doing anything against each other yet. So there's a lot of uh, drill work to be done. That's really about it right now. Yeah. So are you are you really calling it camp? I, I mean, really. I mean, it, it's it's not really a training camp, so to speak. I mean, they're still in this build-up stage to get to the point where they do put on pads, which is coming up, I believe, on the 14th, I believe it is, or, or is it the 17th? It's coming soon. It's coming, but I think, nonetheless, next week. Right now, I mean, they're, it's literally, I mean, this is going back to the basic fundamentals of football, uh, which can be good, and it also can be maybe not so good because I'm sure a lot of the older guys are like, wait a minute, I graduated football 101 years ago, and I'm – on advanced level of football here. And so let's start working on other things and not just working against bags and working against air. Let's work against each other to where we can work on techniques and work on the scheme and the entire scheme against the defense. So, uh, but it's just, uh, as, as Doug Marone said many times, there's nothing normal about this year and everything is new and everybody's just going to have to adapt and adjust. And part of that adjustment is a new offense, too. I mean, that's, they're in the midst of being on the field for the first time, though they can't, you know, they can run 11, but they can't run against the defense. So they're trying to work some things in. But it's hard to do everything in a new offense right now, Log. So we heard from uh, Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator, earlier this week. And he was asked, in fact, you know, how far along is this offense and how far is left to go? I'm going to not speak for Jan out of respect for him. He, he's earned the right. He, he played his contract out. He played four years and he's earned the right to do what's best for him and his family. And, um, you know, obviously uh, he's a guy that we know what he brings to the table. Uh, his coaches love him. His teammates love him. We all, you know, we lo love his energy. The fan base loves him. So, you know, ideally we would love to have him here, but um, I'll let him speak uh, on his behalf of, of what's going on. And um, I, I know he's uh, making some calculated decisions. 
We'll hear from Jay Gruden coming up in just a minute. That, of course, was Dave Caldwell discussing Unique Ngakwe, and that's another situation, Logs, that's happening this week. Uh, reportedly, Unique Ngakwe uh, parted ways with his agent again, So, uh, and Dave Caldwell spoke with Unique Ngakwe. Um, what do you think this means? Is this a good sign, or is this just another day in the life? Uh, I don't think it really means anything. To be honest with you, uh, the the one thing here that I will say, because I got a lot of respect for Ngakwe as the player, I, I thought that the way things were handled by him and his camp wasn't very good. Um, you don't criticize an, an owner of an NFL team, which is what uh, Ngakwe did with Tony Khan. Uh, you don't publicly question the organization in a public forum. I, I didn't understand that unless you're, I mean, Jamal Adams, I guess. I mean, it seems that it's just, it's not uh, isolated to just the Ngakwe situation. But in my opinion, with the economics of the NFL and the way things are right now with the global pandemic and a salary cap that's sure to be lowered significantly in future years, boy, I, I, I've if I'm a Gawkway, I'm probably looking back at that situation last year going, man, I, I probably should have taken that opportunity at the extension because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that much money going forward. Uh, was that uh, part of the thought process as to why he changed agents? I don't know that. Uh, Gawkway is the only one that, that knows the answer to that. But I would certainly be having second thoughts and, and would be second-guessing the decision to turn that contract down at this point. Now, let's get to the offense. We promised Jay Gruden, and uh, he was asked this week, you know, how far along is this offensive installation, and how far is left to go? We're still in diapers right now. You know, we got a long way to go. But uh, I'm excited about the guys, first of all. You got to have guys that are willing to learn and willing to work. And I feel like uh, the mentality of this football team, Coach Marone does a great job of setting the tone for this team, and, and these guys have come in and uh, – they don't act like they know it all or I've done that, blah, blah, blah. They, they're willing to learn and do things the way we want to do things now. All right, Jay Gruden, the new <laughs> offensive coordinator. And, you know, how much can you really do in this time frame right now until you get into pads? There's not a lot that can truly be done, right, Logs? Well, first of all, the, the reference to still being in diapers was classic. I mean, it's, it, it's awesome. Uh, uh, I think uh, Gruden's got a, a little way about him. I think both Gruden's do that to where they can entertain when they have a little bit of a press conference. But when you're at where you're at as an offense and as a football team where you're not even practicing offense against defense, absolutely you're still in diapers, especially since you didn't have any OTAs. You didn't have any mini camps. You had nothing to, to develop your offense with. So they're still at the very early stages with this offense and it's, I don't want to say it's comical, but it's, it's kind of interesting to see when he gets asked a question about, Hey, how does a guy look? Well, I mean, heck it's, I don't want to say this is the underwear Olympics, but I mean, they haven't had an opportunity to evaluate their personnel against other people. So they've got a long way to go. Um, and I want to say this about Gruden. He is fun to listen to. And in a lot of ways, I was thinking back to that, that movie, I think it was, Bull Durham was a nuke Lelouch. That's right. <laughs> Gruden is, he has got, he has got some cliches and I'm telling you, he uses them all. <laughs> Here, write this down. 
<laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Which is good, one of the, good one stuff of the from... greatest scenes of, of a movie yeah. ever. Well, Kevin Collister yeah. told him, just, just write it down. Just write it down. And so Gruden, when he was well, uh, doing his, I, mean, it was, I think it was about JP, what, like a 20-minute conversation with the media, ballparkish, somewhere in there, maybe 18 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and he, you know, and he, he's trying to be helpful, but I mean, the simple answer to a lot of the questions is, is like, guys, we, we've just started, you know, we're, we've acclimated, we're just conditioning we haven't even really practiced yet. So what do you want me to say? So, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the perfect phrasing by Gruden with the answers in a lot of those situations, it was just flat out entertaining for me anyway. And I think we'll have some fun with Gruden throughout the year, hearing from him on a weekly basis on game weeks. At least the coordinators are made available each and every week. He is coordinating an offense with a second-year quarterback in Gardner Minshew. But it has been a while since Gardner has been in this type of situation as the starting quarterback going into a training camp and going into the season. Uh, for Gardner, it's been a long time. I actually haven't had a camp like this uh, going into it since I guess my senior year of high school. So it's 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 awesome, um, you know, kind of just being with the guys and trying to figure out how we, you know, what we want to be as a team because we get to define that right now. Uh, there's a group of this group of guys on this team, group of leaders uh, that have a very real opportunity to change culture here, to develop a winning culture, um, and I think it's already starting. Yeah, think about that, Logs. The The last time he was the starting quarterback going into a season was high school. That's crazy, but it, it makes a lot of sense because that college career was – he took the scenic route, I would guess you would say, in his college career going to a bunch of different places. Yeah, a bunch of different places now. East Carolina, junior college, and then to the West Coast. I mean, holy cow, he's been all over the place. Uh, but make no mistake, uh, Gardner Minshew, I don't think feels comfortable, nor should he feel comfortable. You know, he played 10 games as a rookie. That, I mean, that's it. I mean, so, uh, and he talked about changing the culture and he said, he feels like he's starting to change it now. And, and that's a positive and that he feels that way. But the reality is there's a, there's a lot of steps that you have to accomplish and meet before you say, okay, we're changing the culture, uh, because, what are you trying to change? I mean, if, if it's just wins and losses, uh, then you got to be able to put games together in the W column to say that you've changed the culture. But there's a lot of things also that go into changing the culture. Uh, but it's got to come from the players. You know, I played play the game for a long time. And uh, it's not very often that culture change can come just from the coaching staff. It's got to be a joint effort. you got to have some strong leadership in the locker room. And hopefully Gardner Minshew in a second year can, can provide some of that because it's not easy for young players to provide leadership in a locker room. Sometimes it takes them a few years to pay some dues and have success in the league for them to have that leadership type of, of, of ability. You got to have success and you got to be a good player before you can be a leader. I believe in any NFL locker room. And, and Logs, this is the challenge, the great challenge, not just for the offense, but for this team as a whole. We've, we've talked about it all offseason, how young this football team is, how new this football team is, right? Not just the youth and the rookies that are in, but the free agent additions. Some familiar faces in the last two, three years are now moved on. They were leadership in that locker room in some instances. It's a lot of turnover, not just with rookies coming in, but with free agents coming in. 
and and who's going to climb to the top of the mountain, if you will, in terms of leadership. That's that's a huge challenge overall, not just for the offense, but for this entire football team. Who's going to step up? Well, and the the change hasn't stopped. I mean, right? I mean, that's right. The defense, the defensive line, I think, is a perfect example of that, and they've had some injury issues along the defensive front. Um, now you're looking at trying to sign guys that are on the street and some veteran guys that are, are going to be available in the next couple of days to be able to practice with the Jaguars. And so uh, it's, it's a ne- never ending process and it's never good when you have, you know, you have two guys that opted out before you even got to training camp. And then now that you've gotten to training camp, you put two guys on IR and then you have another guy with a non-football illness that can't practice. And the coach says, don't even ask me for the next five or six days about where he's at. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's a constant process. And, it, and it's a big challenge for this team because, look, you have, you've had a lot of change already. And now you have even more change with this defensive front. Uh, boy, it's, unfortunately, they haven't gotten to practices where they're in pads yet. But, boy, when you get the pads, you would like to think they're hope that your football team can be as a, as a group healthy and, and available for them to practice as a team. Let's come back in a moment. We'll uh, hear from Joe Schobert, Jaguars middle linebacker. We'll see if this defense can uh, get things going against the run this year. We'll touch again on the defensive line situation that you just touched on there. We'll hear from Avery Jones and see what the big fella up front has to say about this Jaguars run defense and the improvement they hope to make here in 2020. Bono's Pit Barbecue is showing support for Frontline Heroes by creating a hashtag Feed the Frontline campaign. Help support our local doctors, nurses, and hospital workers by donating meals to honor their brave and dedicated efforts during this difficult time. Call 904-332-7427 and donate today. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 35 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the mid-100s, and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to without notice equal housing opportunity jags fans fill your wallet with one debit card that screams do ball exclusively from tiaa bank the jacksonville jaguars visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go and it's yours free when you open a yield pledge checking account up your financial game today visit a financial center near you or find us at tiaabank.com slash jags card tiaa bank is a division of tiaa fsp member fdic and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey Jacksonville, this is Joe Adib from Bono's. 
I just want to let you know that we have now reopened all of our dining rooms. We appreciate all the love that you have showed us during this crisis. For over 71 years, we have been here for you through good times and bad. Our award-winning barbecue and our unbelievable staff look forward to seeing you soon. Be safe. Committed to the team. Committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high-quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission. We're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members. Because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those who serve. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. definitely going to be different um not having an otas to kind of get in that's usually when the new guys get into the team and you start to create that bond i mean we had virtual um, but you can only bond so much over a computer screen so it's going to be uh interesting this year for sure i think the team that adapts to this new system the best is going to especially out of the gates in the season um be performing the best so i think we have a good squad on the defense the guys have been into it been uh, locked in uh, been been enjoying themselves too, having fun out there playing football, um, and hopefully that'll be able to take us the right way. That's Joe Schobert, the Jaguars' middle linebacker acquired in free agency in this offseason, and welcome back. Jaguars happy hour, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and uh, Tony Pacelli's coming up at 4.30, so about 12 minutes or so from Big Bo. You know, uh, Schobert's, um, you know, I don't think he's talked about enough now, we haven't seen them in pads or anything yet in, in full go on defense logs, but, you know, he's he's the middle linebacker. He's the one that's going to be calling the plays and, and the quarterback of the defense here, and I don't think he's been as um, covered, I think, in, in media as he probably should, but I think he will at some point. I think he's going to turn some heads. Hopefully he'll turn some heads once real football starts. Well, you hope, and you, ho you hope that you get some – resolution to what's happening up in fr in front of him because uh you know we we're expecting for joe Schobert to have al woods and avery jones right. and and other guys that uh but now some are, are unavailable because they're injured so you hope that you can get some type of production up in front to allow joe Schobert and miles jack to be as good as they can be so uh, interesting though and i don't know if you happen to catch this with Joe Schobert's press conference, I'm sure he did. But I thought it was really interesting because you know, here's a, a new guy coming from another team that typically would have all of the all-season workouts. He'd lift weights with his teammates, get to know his teammates, and have practices with his teammates, and then eat lunch and dinner and breakfast and all. I mean, all those things that you that you do to bond with your teammates, and he had none of it. 
And so all of a sudden now you start training camp late and you walk in the door and you haven't ever really met anybody in person. And now everybody's wearing masks. <laughs> so I kind of chuckled, JP, when Joe said, it's a challenge in that when you go into a new building and you meet people, but you're meeting this, excuse my my tone here, you know? So you don't even get to see their whole face. And so he said, it's a challenge to meet people and get to know them and to actually see who what they really look like completely because everybody's wearing a mask. I just thought that that was... Uh, I thought it was insightful because, I mean, here's a guy that's a new guy that's trying to find his way in a locker room and a new locker room at that. And it's all, all these circumstances are surrounded. I, I thought that uh, that was a pretty deep thought by Joe Schobert. And, uh, and here's a guy that I'm sure was happy to get started here in Jacksonville. You know, after going through living in the basement of his in-laws, I think is where he was at prior to coming to Jacksonville. So, I'm sure that that was one of those moments where you're like, yes, we're out of the in-laws basement. <laughs> yeah, he, he mentioned that at his press conference the other day. I think it was a, a mutual agreement that, uh, you know, it's probably a good thing to get out of the basement. To, the parents were probably like, yeah, you guys need to go on and, and find your own place too. Two-way street there. Uh, obviously, on the defensive side here, Logs, we've, we've harped on it a lot. But it's the, it, there's a reason why, because it's – the main reason this defense struggled last year was they couldn't stop the run. Certainly in the second half of that season, in that stretch of 200-yard-plus games against this defense, Avery Jones met the media today, the big nose tackle who's been here for eight years now. He was an undrafted player, the most tenured current Jaguar. And he was asked about that run defense. How do they improve it starting right now? Attention to detail. I mean, we saw a lot of things where we was probably in position to make a play, but little things like hand placement, uh, keeping our shoulders square kept us from doing that, and then really just having to put it on our shoulders. I mean, I'm telling the guys that we lost people off this D-line. Uh, the outside noise is expecting us to drop off, and we just have to use that to motivate ourselves. I mean, we watch film every day, and everyone feels like they have a chip on their shoulder because they know they're a better player than that. Avery Jones has been around here for a long time and a big piece of that uh, Jaguars defensive front. It is, as we've mentioned, a, a different-looking defensive front. He mentioned it there. He knows how much turnover there's been. But that's where this thing starts. Attention to detail. What does he mean by that? Well, most importantly is that, you know, you got to do your own job. I mean, there were instances last year where you had guys that weren't taking care of their responsibility because run defense, it it is not rocket science. I mean, it's really, it's not. Um, it's a gap defense and you're in your gap. And if you're, so I have somebody that doesn't do their job and is out of their gap, then you can't stop the run. And when Avery's talking about attention to detail, a lot of times guys vacate their gap for whatever reason, but you always have to make sure that you do your job first. And then after that, then you can go ahead and float to another gap to maybe help out somebody else that's just getting beat physically, which happens in the National Football League. So uh, I think it's going to be a big challenge for this Jaguars defensively. I mean, Al Woods was expected to be a big part of this run defense, uh, big, strong, physical, run-stuffing type player. 
that has a lot of games under his belt. And, 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 and I'm going to be honest with you, JP, I thought his film from last year was tremendous. I mean, I'm talking tremendous when, you know, he didn't play a ton of snaps, but when he did play, he was really good. And I, I thought it was going to be a big boost to this Jaguars run defense, having him. And then when he decided to opt out, which totally understand and totally respect his decision, but that's a big blow to this Jaguars football team. And, and now you've, you've got the defensive tackle that they signed from the Arizona Cardinals who has the non-football Gunter. illness, which uh, Ronnie Gunner, I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, he's, he was the other expected upgrade along your defensive front. And that's the type of, and that's the guy that you're expecting to be a run stuffing type of guy. And then Dontavious Russell, who they kept last year, uh, nose yeah. tackle undrafted guy or seventh round pick. He was anyways, a, a late type of, of prospect. I mean, he's another guy that was expected to possibly help. Now, what can Karan Reed and Carl Davis and Josh Morrow do? Well, I mean, the, here's the reality. They were, they were on the street for a reason. And if they were considered to be A-plus players, they would have had a contract. There's only a few of those guys that are out there that you can say they're unsigned and they're still an A-plus type of player. And one of those being Clowney. And I think Clowney is a wonderful talent. Uh, I think any football team can be better against the runner, better defensively overall with Jadavian Clowney on their football team. So uh, take a flyer on him, maybe have a conversation about him. How expensive uh, would that be, know. Logs? Huh? How expensive would that be, Logs? That's the question. Well, that's, it's, it's going to be pretty expensive, you know, and, and here's the other <laughs> thing. Does he even want to come to play for your football team, you know? Right. Uh, Clowney is, you know, that's that's the beauty of being a free agent. You know, you can you can make that decision based on money. You can make that decision based on personal preference. And look, you may not like the team's colors and say, you know what, I don't want to play for that team because I don't like teal. Or he may say, you know what, I love teal. I look good in teal. I want to play for the Jaguars. You don't know. But it but my point is that it's there's very few people that you can sign at this stage of the game that you upgrade your roster. There's just, there's just not many. I thought the Dallas Cowboys did a pretty good job. Uh, right. They signed uh, Griffin. Griffin, Everson Griffin, the defensive end who played for the Minnesota Vikings, still a productive player, still was close to double-digit sacks last year, has been a Pro Bowl-type player in, in his past, and they got him for a reasonable deal. Now, Clowney is you know, going to be a little bit, a little bit more than, than that reasonable type of deal that Griffin got. You know, uh, most players, I would think their favorite color is money green, first of all. Um, and then second, you know, I'm on the practice field yesterday, first day out, first day in helmets. Uh, you know, the, the PR staff, everybody's doing a great job keeping everybody distance, getting us in there to begin with. But I, I'm looking at the roster, right? We're, we're talking about the defensive line. And there are mm -hmm. 14 defensive linemen listed on the roster. How many? I look up, 14. Listed okay. as defensive linemen, right? So I look up at defensive line drills, and I see seven bodies. I'm like, where the <laughs> heck are the other guys? Uh, well, one of them, I think Cassius Marsh was running around with the linebackers. That happens occasionally, you know. Um, yeah, okay. there were and seven Cassie, guys. JP, let me just stop you right there. Cassius Marsh is not a defensive lineman. You know, he may put his hand in the ground as a substitutional pass rusher, but 
he is not a defensive end. I mean, he could like in a in a pinch, and you're like, oh my gosh, we only had right. seven guys active on game day, and we need Cassius Marsh to end up being maybe a, an extra defensive end if need be in an emergency situation. He could be that guy, but he's not a defensive end. He's a he's a backer. He's a stand up guy. It's interesting though that kind of tells you the the lay of the land. Yesterday, when you had three guys who had just signed, but they couldn't go to the practice field yet because they're still doing COVID testing. You had other guys injured. I mean, it was that's the way it was at least the first day out. Well, but uh, it's kind of evened and, up a little bit now. And I, and I think that that brings up you know another point that I think that the league, in my opinion, needs to take a pretty serious look at. And okay, so. Let's say the Jaguars have a rash of injuries in the middle of the season, or you have a room that becomes infected, right? So uh, let's say five guys are unavailable, or an offensive line group is unavailable. Well, you've upgraded the practice squad to 16, and in my opinion, why not bigger than that? I mean, I mean, here we are. We've we've been talking about how it's going to be tough for a lot of younger players to be able to make an NFL roster this year. And you're not going to be able to see them for a lot of time in training camp. Well, okay. If we're trying to develop guys to be able to be future players in the national football league, let's continue to develop them. And let's also give ourselves a little extra insurance policy because you know what, if all of a sudden you can't fulfill a deficiency in the middle of the season, by just with guys off of your practice squad, what are you going to do? Well, you can't go and bring a guy off the street and have him playing in two days because he's going to have to go through the COVID testing, testing to be able to be ready to go for a game. So, mm. in my and look, in practice squad guys, and look, I'm not saying that the NFL uh, can just spend oodles of money, but I think they can afford to pay maybe a few more extra practice squad guys. And, and I guarantee you, if you went to the coaching staffs of every NFL team, not one of them would be against would be against having 20, let's say, on the oh, practice squad. Why, why not? I bet not. Yeah, I bet not. Uh, it's up to 16 now. Hey, let's come back in a moment. Um, we'll continue this conversation, Logs. Tony Baselli, you might have heard of him. He's going to join us when we come back. Don't forget to tune in to Jaguars Facebook or Twitter Friday night, 530 for Virtual Trivia Night Live with Brian Sexton, presented by Bud Light. This will be a special training camp edition, and prizes will go to the top three finishers. That's tomorrow at 5.30 on Jags Facebook and at Jaguars on Twitter. This is Jaguars Happy Hour, and we're halfway home on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a yield pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. 
Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JAGSCARD. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. When America needed us to build, we built. Masks, ventilators, shields. When local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. And now we're open and ready to serve you with special offers and deals across the Ford lineup. Stop by a Ford dealership or go online. We've made it safer to shop, easier to buy. Built for America. Built Ford Proud. Pinpoint, the official signage partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, helps business decision makers like you maximize the impact of their brand. Your company's identification, advertising, and even the words you use make an impression on your clients. With Pinpoint as your coach, you can make sure it's a good impression. Pinpoint provides the creative design and production services for anything you need to enhance your brand, from custom signage to complete marketing solutions. Step up your game with Pinpoint and create the ultimate brand experience for your clients. Visit experiencepinpoint.com. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 35 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the mid-100s, and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity at tropical smoothie cafe one taste and you're hitting refresh now palm trees swaying now letting loose now busting a move now cranking up the beats now hands in the air now feeling free now you're on tropic time now and right now at tropical smoothie cafe try our watermelon mojito and guava margarita smoothies and you're tasting fruity now sipping sunshine now toasting summer now you're on Tropic Time now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Health-wise, it's like night and day. Um, last year, I was just trying to get on the field. Um, even at this point, I don't even think I was cleared yet at this point last year. And when I did get cleared, I ended up having another injury. So um, to me, for me, it's like night and day, uh, finally being able to be healthy. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Cam Robinson, Jaguars left tackle, met with the media earlier this week. And welcome back, Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick from the home studio. Jeff Lagerman from his home studio. And in parts unknown, speaking of left tackles, <laughs> Tony Baselli joins us. Hi, Tony. So, first of all, let me say something. JP, you can't read. So, what are you have all those books behind you for? Oh, to read. No, you don't read, though. I can read. But you don't. I can read. Okay. Well, this isn't going anywhere. I just I think it's funny that everybody <laughs> in today's world that is doing these, like, home podcasts or like virtual shows like we are because of coronavirus. I love like looking at the setups behind them because they have like these books and all these fancy things. I'm like, come on, you know, they had their wives. Like I guarantee you 
Jeff Ventura come in and set up the back office. So it looks like he's like really like sophisticated in his leather chair <laughs> with pictures. And like he has his, he has his Virginia diploma that he to pull out of the attic and dust off. And I mean, it's so like, this is my <laughs> office. I didn't, I didn't have any help setting this up. I yeah, actually sure. this. The only, the only thing I did put in my office that's different than what I would normally have. The, the helmet's right in the middle of the desk. <laughs> exactly. well, <laughs> everything, like, everything else is what it is. Well, like, I believe that because Jeff's pretty organized and pretty detailed anyways. But like JP, I guarantee you, he went out and bought a bunch of books off Amazon to put in no. his bookshelf so he looks no. like he's smart. <laughs> no. I've had them. I haven't opened them in years, but they've been around in boxes. They're around. And now I can put them to use. So okay, uh, good, let's good. move forward here. Let's move forward here. We heard from Cam Robinson there at the top, Tony. Let's get right to it, man. Let's, uh, Cam Robinson coming off um, the knee last year, you heard him say it. was It's night and day this year to last year. He wasn't even cleared yet at this time uh, a season ago. And he said it, he really didn't feel normal until like the last five games of the season. Um, but that's kind of what I think we were talking about all year with Cam Robinson. What can you expect now from Cam and then we'll get to Will Richardson in just a moment. What did you make of yeah. Cam's comments there? Yeah, um, let me let me just start. Let me preface like I'm, there's like I doubt there's very many people in this organization or this team or the city that are rooting harder than I am for Cam Robinson because I really like Cam. You know, I think he's a big physical guy that man he brings its nasty and a meanness to that group that they need. Um, and I love that he feels better. For me, though, it's going to be like the proof is going to be in the pudding when we get to watch tape and we'll watch practice and everything else and we get into the games. Does he revert to his bad habits? Does he revert to his poor footwork? Because this was not a knee issue. This was pre-knee. He had some footwork issues. Now, he's such a big, powerful, athletic man. He can get away with it. And now it was exasperated last year because of the knee. No doubt about it. And I get you know, what he was experiencing. I, I'd been through it. And it takes time, and Jeff has as well, it takes you time to get back to feeling like to your old self. But I still go back to, for me, I'm watching his feet, I'm watching his technique, um, because in my opinion, Jeff, this was a pre-knee issue um, that I hope he cleans it up for a lot of reasons. One, love to have a left tackle, franchise left tackle, and I think Cam Robinson can be that. And then for him individually, big year, because he's going to be a free agent, and if he does figure it out, go look at Laramie Tunsil's contract at 22 million bucks a year. He's going to get paid, and I, I'm always for guys getting paid. Well, he's, he's not going to approach that category just because Larry Tunsil has been Agreed. able to do it, you know, year after Agreed. year after year. But, I mean, Cam has an opportunity to be able to to take care of himself significantly. And, and Tony, you're right in that the, the feet issue or the feet issues that he's had didn't just show up because of the knee injury. He had them before. They were probably exacerbated a little bit last year because of the knee injury, and it's kind of sometimes hard. I've been there, Tony. You've been there. It's hard to work on technique when you're just trying to find a way to get yep. through the practice, you know. So, and he's got a good offensive line coach and Coach Warhop. If there's anybody that's going to be able to coach the technique in the in the cam, it's going to be Coach Warhop. So, I and, and I'm with Tony. I, I hope that he is able to find a groove. I'm hoping he's able to improve. Uh, because I love him, and what I love about him is he is a dominant run blocker at times. And there's not many left tackles that are playing at the NFL level right now that you sit there and you go, "Dang, that guy can run block!" And look at him finish five, you know, five yards down the field on a guy. 
But Cam is one of those guys. Now, look, Will uh, had did a, an impressive job when he was in there. And I think this is a great situation that, look, competition is a beautiful thing. And it'll make both guys better by having them compete against each other for that playing time. So let's see it. Let's see the competition. Let it begin. Yeah, and I'll say this to pick up on that thread, Jeff. Um, I never understood last year why they didn't give Will Richardson a chance to compete for the job uh, throughout the year when when Cam was obviously not 100%, obviously was struggling at times um, with technique and his knee and his strength and everything else. And I, I, I was thoroughly impressed for a guy who was asked about two days before uh, opening day to go kick out the left tackle position he never played before. And I thought he played in the two game, the two games that he played. I thought he was good. I thought he was solid. Now everyone will go back to it. He got beat for a sack. And blah, blah, blah. Okay. In two games, he gave up like three pressures and a sack. Okay, great. That happens. You're playing from behind. I mean, all kinds of things happen. And you know that as well as I do, Jeff, but if you watch him on tape and you watch his technique, like he's not a guard. Let's be clear. I don't think he's a guard. He is a, uh, he can play either tackle position and I, I'm, I, for one, thought he'd get a shot last year to kick out the left tackle and compete with Cam, and I'm glad they're giving him the chance now. And I do think it'll make Cam better. Tony, what did he play in college, though? Right tackle. You were around him a bit. He was a right tackle yeah, in college, pretty right much predominantly, right? Yeah. That's all he ever played. So, he, he, right. so if I'm not mistaken, I know at NC State he never took a snap at left tackle. I think it was all the way back to high school. He'd never been a left-handed stance. Um, I mean, he was a he was a right tackle only. They drafted him. They thought he could play some guard. Um, I don't think he's a natural guard. He's pretty long, and I think the suddenness sometimes gets on top of him a little bit quick in the pass game. I think he can run block as a guard. Um, I think he's better at space, um, which would lean him towards uh, the tackle position. And um, I, I was shocked, for one, that he was as effective as he was uh, in that opening game last year, and even the first two games at left tackle for having to, never done it, and uh, and was surprised he didn't get more reps at it uh, when Cam was obviously struggling because coming back from the knee. Yeah, let, let, let me just add this too, though. I think from a from a coaching standpoint, there there's probably got to be a lot of comfort knowing that you know when you go into a game, okay, Cam Robinson has been a left tackle his entire life, and and that's all he's ever played. Well, now that we've got Will Richardson, who he can play. Right tackle, he did it in college. We, he's proven to us that he's played left tackle. He competed for time at the right guard spot and can play guard. So I, I think from a comfort standpoint, and, and the reality is if you're in coaching, you want to be comfortable going into a game day. And you feel really comfortable having Will Richardson as being your sixth guy or seventh guy if you got somebody else who's a backup center. But you feel really good about him having that flexibility to play multiple positions, whereas, okay, if all of a sudden – Will's your left tackle. He's got to be significantly better than Cam Robinson because you need to have a reason to take Cam Robinson. Say, okay, now we need to train him to be able to be maybe that swing guy. And that's a lot to ask. So I think if, if this is a competition, then Will has to be sig significantly better, not just that much better, but that much better than Cam to be able to take him out of that swing role and insert him in as a starter. Let's come back. One final segment, Tony Baselli in Parts Unknown, Jeff Lagerman and I in the home studio, and we're back after this. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com Superior Fence and Rail knows about commercial fence services. From automatic gates to security fence and railing, Superior Fence and Rail's professional team delivers with great communication, trained installers, and quality products. Trust your next commercial project with a top-rated fence company in Jacksonville. Get off the fence and call Superior Fence and Rail for your commercial project today. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Florida, bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities as everyone else on the road. So when you ride, follow the rules. Always wear a helmet and use lights on your bike. And drivers, watch for cyclists. Give them space to ride. And don't forget when making that right on red, look to your right first to see if a cyclist is approaching in the bike lane. We all have a responsibility to keep ourselves and each other safe. Alert today, alive tomorrow. Because safety doesn't happen by accident. This message brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. When America needed us to build, we built. Masks, ventilators, shields. When local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. And now we're open and ready to serve you with special offers and deals across the Ford lineup. Stop by a Ford dealership or go online. We've made it safer to shop, easier to buy. Built for America. Built Ford Proud. I'm always joking, you know, playing. That's just me, you know what I mean? So I think it, it kind of got out of hand and misgrew, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to get that out there. You know, I'm not no jerk, but when it comes to football and winning, I'm, I'm all in for that. Leonard Fournette is not a jerk, he says. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli. I'm curious to see Leonard play this year, obviously. Had a good year last year, statistically. Um, got to get in the end zone a little bit more, but it's a contract year, and Tony, you know what that means. 
Um, if there isn't motivation before, which there always has been, there certainly is now for Leonard. Yeah, what was the context of him not being the jerk? I didn't. What was the question? Did he do something? Well, I mean, the, did no, I miss question, something? I think in the off season, off season, there were some comments that maybe he was unhappy around here, and there was the they were talking about trading him away. That was the storyline a little bit in the off season, and that he was a little disgruntled at times, and he wanted to ex- explain himself a little bit there. Yeah, I didn't understand that part, but okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's a big year for him. I, I, I don't see him – I mean, outside of something crazy happening, like where he just goes crazy numbers, I don't see him – I think this is his last year as a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, they didn't They didn't take the extra year. They didn't extend it the fifth year. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see in Jay Gruden's offense, you know, it, will he be the center point where last year, I mean, they gave him the ball. And with a rookie quarterback, I mean, he was – Everything, run game, pass game, you know, never came off the field uh, unless he was hurt like the last game when he couldn't play. So um, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, he's going to be an important piece. This is a team that is pretty young. Their best players are, you know, I mean, as far as the guys who are explosive or outside, um, DJ Chark had a great year. Uh, Sanal, uh, the rookie, I mean, big, powerful, fast guy that they're going to count on. Um, so you have some really young guys, you know, big questions at the tight end with Tyler Eifert. Um, can he ever, you know, he's been injury riddled, uh, throughout the last several years of his career. And I say all that cause it, so it circles me back to Leonard Fournette. I mean, he has to have a big year for this team to be successful and to score points. I mean, him, um, obviously not most important. It's Gardner Minshew, but, uh, he's pretty close up there because, um, they're going to need to find production, uh, to score points in offense. Well, he, he's been one of the most consistent producers for this offense over the last couple of years is from, from a, a production and touches standpoint. And he needs to be exactly that, especially this year for a couple of different reasons. Some of them reside on his side of the ball. I mean, Gardner Minshew being a first time starting quarterback, you've got a wide receiver group besides DJ Chark. I mean, and he did it for one year, one year only. It's very unproven. You have a tight end group that I will say this, I don't care if Tyler Eifert was a veteran guy or not. He's unproven too, because it hasn't proven injuries. That, injuries. Yeah. That he hasn't, can't stay on the field. He did it for one year last year. And, and I think the one thing of note watching his film, Tyler Eifert's film is that once he got the ball, he didn't do a whole lot of exciting things with the ball in his hands. It was like he was in self-preservation mode a little bit, looking to make sure that he didn't take any tough hits. So, Okay, so where are you going to get that electric, you know, consistent performance from? Well, I think Leonard Fournette has to be one of those guys. The offensive line has to be one of the guys because it also reaches to the other side of the ball and that the Jaguars' defense is under construction. And time of possession and controlling the clock and keeping the defense off the field is going to be, I think, very important for this Jaguars' defense until it can find a little bit of rhythm. I mean, here, here's the crazy thing. A couple of years ago, we were talking – about one of the best defenses in the league. Is this the best defense in the league? And now we're talking about the importance of an offensive line and a running game to help maybe lessen the burden on this defense. But, I mean, how things have changed for this Jaguars football team in a couple years to go from that, you know, the elite of elite defenses in the National Football League to now having a lot of question marks across the board on the defensive side of the ball. 
Jeff, what's your biggest question? Let me just, uh, and I don't know where you want to go with this, JP, but I'm going to just steer it myself. What is your biggest question? Because I think you bring up a great point. I mean, you look at both sides of the ball, um, a lot of questions in offense, and we always kind of just said, yeah, but the defense is good. Well, there might be more questions on defense than there are on offense right now. Oh, there absolutely is, I think. And and as you look at that, what's your biggest – what is your biggest question or concern on defense? Well, I'll start with what what is the most important aspect of of being a good defense in the National Football League, and it's got to start with stopping the run. And we saw – Tony, you saw it last year. They had trouble stopping the run. And stopping the run, you got to be good in the middle. And when I say the middle, nose tackle, three technique, Inside linebackers, because there's two, and then safety. Um, are they strong at, at that middle area on the defense? Well, you had one of your guys, Al Woods, opt out. Gunner's on non-football illness. He's out. Joe Schobert, I, I think, has a lot to prove yet, even though he was an expensive free agent. Miles Jack hasn't played Will before uh, consistently. So how will he look? Because last year when he played Mike, didn't have a great year. Were the performance of the safeties consistent at all last year? No. You know, so you had some missed tackle. Ron Harrison exactly didn't have, you know, the, the best performance of his career last year. So uh, that's a major concern of mine is that this Jaguars defense went from being, I mean, holy cow, you had Darius and Malik and Calais and in pause going back a couple years with Miles Jack and Telvin, and uh, you had consistency at safety with two veteran guys, and now all of a sudden, in a couple of years, it's all changed, which, you know, the, the league is about change, and it always happens, but that's a lot of change in a short amount of time. It's interesting. All the things you just said, Jeff, I agree with 100%. And, you know, one of the big stories this offseason, even in camp, is Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe doesn't fix any of those problems you just talked about. No, no he does not. None of them. And when that, but he's still and a good pass rusher. Oh, no, no. Trust me. You want him on your team, and you want him in camp, and you want him out there. I'm just saying what's so interesting, one of the guys that so much discussion has been around, and do you get him, and can we get him back, and what are we going to do with him? And he's like, all the things you just said has almost zero impact on mm-hmm. Um Because, I mean, uh, at his best, he's a – Above average run player, but he plays outside and he's a you know outside end. Yeah, um, when you say when you say at his best, he has moments where he's an above average. Saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, he's a pure pass rusher. He's a disruptor from the edge. Um, but if you look at you, he really because of what you said, his impact even goes down when you think about it. Because he can run. You know what else you can't do? You can't get teams in the third and long in passing only situations. And so that is, it's such a, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, one of the things, and Doug talked about it at the beginning of camp, he brought up the name Taven Bryant, and you and I have talked about Taven a lot. He's going to be the three technique. He's going to have to become a productive player on this team if they want to be able to stop the run um, or have a chance to stop the run. And, I mean, that's just one. Schobert agreed. He's going to have, I mean, if you look at Cleveland, what was he known for? He was more known for his pass coverage and a good pass defender. Um, he's going to have to become a middle linebacker, run-stuffing guy, Miles Jack, and, and all the way down to the safeties. Um, and I bring that up because everyone talks about Josh Allen, and if you get Yannick back and uh, Chase on, who you drafted in the first round out of LSU, all these guys are explosive, splash players that can really get after the quarterback and physical and run around and make plays. You can't stop the run. 
Boy, you really nullify the impact those type of players can have on your football team. All right, guys, let's go around the National Football League, hit some headlines before we get out of here. And we start with the league and the NFLPA agreeing to extend daily COVID-19 testing through September 5th. Tier 1 and 2 positive tests are below 1% so far since arrival, and no individual club rate is greater than 2%. So, Tony, so far, so good. JP, let me, let me jump in right there real quick because I, I held my nose, Tony, because you probably went through this process. You're talking about daily COVID testing for the people that uh, aren't familiar with this. The nasal swab technique. <laughs> have you done it, Jeff? I have not, but I've got some uh, friends that have had to uh, go through it, and they said it's, now, it's absolutely horrendous. I call it the brain tickler because they don't just do your nose. They go all the way to the brain and pick, you know, pick at your brain. But I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, the test that the uh, players are doing in the NFL is not the nasal swab that goes all the way back. It's more of a just internal, it's, it's, it's maybe advanced technology. That's what someone told me. I don't know if it's accurate. If God bless them if they have to do the brain tickler every day. I had to do it seven times. It's like, <laughs> it's brutal. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's good. Wes, I, I, listen, I, I was one. I've had it. My family's had it. I said this the other day about Florida State football. My kids playing there. I think they should play football. I think I think I was disappointed in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, what they did. Um, if you look at the numbers, the risk factors of the age group of these men who are playing football, whether it's in college or professional football, for the most part, very, very low risk. I'm not saying it's zero risk, um, but it's low risk. And I know this, if I was a player on the the things I'd be worried about as far as happening to me on the football field, COVID would not be at the top of it. Now, the key is with all of this being uh, all that being said, it's not around the facility. I worry about it's not on the field. I worry about it's as these guys get out of camp and get into the daily life of being just a person. Um, you saw, are they going to have the discipline not to go out and do things they shouldn't be and be around people they shouldn't be around as far as go home, you know, be smart, be with your family, like try to isolate yourself as much as possible. We just saw a rookie, I don't know the kid's name, up in Seattle got cut today uh, because in camp he tried to sneak a uh, female friend into the facility um, uh, when he wasn't supposed to, uh, breaking, breaking all testing protocols and everything else. And so that's what you worry about. Like these are young guys, and, and we forget that sometimes. Like you have some older veterans. Like, actually, I should say that. The Jaguars don't, but other teams have older veterans. Um, but these are young guys and the, the key is for this thing to work and for us to get through this without, um, significant positive tests is, is what they do outside of the facility. I think that's really important, um, for these guys to be thinking about. All right. Uh, good stuff. Some other notes today. George Kittle agrees to a five year, $75 million extension with San Francisco. Everson Griffin gets a one year deal worth up to $6 million with the Cowboys, and a ratings down for Hard Knocks in the first episode this week drew only 273,000 viewers as opposed to over 700,000 a year ago. Uh, Tony, good stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. Next, we'll talk to you Monday. The show kicks off Monday, JP. Let's go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming in quick. Uh, Pete Prisco will join us on Monday as well. Uh, Tony Baselli for Jeff Lagerman and our entire crew. I'm JP Shadrick. Coming up next, the Doug Marone Show. And that's along the Jaguars Radio Network. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.